Before we get into the details of this episode, I just want to give a shout out to some people doing good things. That is Sawed Off CrossFit Kids. It's a program for kids that gets them active, stay healthy, and learn how to move correctly. They do things like Olympic lifting, sports-specific training, balance, agility, and games, and all sorts of different stuff. There is a coach there that is customizing each workout of the day specifically for the class and the kids that are in it. You won't regret trying it out, and here's the best part. It's absolutely free to try. You can go by and try this thing for free. And if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. Do gymnastics, do whatever. But I promise you will not regret giving it a shot and taking your kids over to Sawed Off CrossFit Kids. So head over to the Sawed Off CrossFit building at the end of Harvey Road in College Station, Texas and sign up for your free class. That's Sawed Off CrossFit Kids. The second company I want to give a shout out to for good people doing good things is Sendero Provisions Company. The owner has been on the podcast before, and what a crazy cool story it is. The things they've overcome to make to keep this company going, and it's just fantastic. I really love it, and you got to cheer for them. Plus, they make amazing stuff. Hats, shirts, really high quality. I wear one of them to surf, fish, you name it. It's made out of material that doesn't matter if it gets wet. It still just looks fantastic day or night. So you won't regret heading over to the... Sendero Provisions Company page. Just Google it, Sendero Provisions Company, or head over to Instagram, Sendero Provisions CO, and check them out. My guest today is a good person doing good things as well. Sean Starr, Star Studios. He is a custom hand sign painter, gold leaf, you name it. He's got a lot of cool stuff. If you go to his website, there is a there's a clip there on uh, a video there that you can watch that's really well made that details a lot about what he does and you can see his artwork. Also, he's been in a documentary and just he's just a fascinating dude that has traveled the world hand painting signs. And he really proves in here that if you do what is true to you and you follow those things, that good things come your way. If you put in the work and you're doing what's right, you'll get what truly makes you wealthy. I really enjoy this conversation so please enjoy my guest today, Mr. Sean Starr. All right, Sean, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We were talking about your sweet background. I actually, uh, so I saw all your artwork and stuff, and I really dig the sign painting and all the, uh, like all the creative stuff you do. But then I watched the little video, and immediately wanted I wanted to go get another tattoo. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see the yeah ba- yeah I. It's an addiction, as as you as you know, if you've got any. Oh yeah, I have. I what did it say? I just I have one. As long as they touch, it's just one tattoo. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, that's what the guy that does my artwork said. So I like, I got one tattoo basically. Yeah, there you go. It's like, it's like having one beer. It's just how many ounces is that beer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so when what got you into this the sign painting stuff? It's super cool. Like it's a unique thing. That once I watched your, I guess my mind's bouncing all over the place. Once I watched your the documentary or the little video on your website, and yeah. I look at some of the signs that you have there, I started thinking about all the places that had signs similar to that, and how they had to have, they had to have had somebody like you come in and paint it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess to answer the question of like how I got into it. Uh, my dad started a company in San Antonio in 1977 called Star Custom Paint. And um, at that time, um, the company that he started, it was, you know, working on old hot rods and custom painting 
Suburbans, which was a really big thing uh, back in that era, you know, working for oil guys that wanted to outdo each other. Um, we, we did, we did all sorts of, you know, you named it and, and we did it. And that, that was, that's where I came into, uh, the trade was working in his shop, um, first in the summers when I was a kid. And then as I got older, I, I, I joined him full time. Um, so it's, I've been around it my whole life and, and have done this kind of work. And then, um, we operated the business together when I was in my uh, early to mid twenties, um, and he passed away in 1994. Um, and I tried to keep the business going for a while and um, didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a job offer at a sign shop up in Seattle, and went up there uh, very um, naively, thinking that I would be able to like take all this cool stuff I knew how to do and just, you know, like go do it there and uh when i got there i i had um i had found the the job listing in a paper and called the guy and the guy was like sure come on up you know i got a job for you and i was all excited i got up there and was informed very rapidly that all of that hand-painted stuff is like that's that's all dead everything's computer now you're gonna have to learn computer and so uh i went from like nearly zero computer skills to having to learn everything computer. And there, there, there were still times that I could like, um, you know, work in the back shop with the guys that would sometimes be doing like gold leafing on dimensional letters or things like that. Um, but for the most part, the, the guy was just trying to break me of, you know, what he saw as like ancient technology kind of stuff. And, um, so I did that for did that for a handful of years, jumped around to a few different sign shops trying to find like a groove where I could kind of do my thing and um, finally got really fed up with it and decided I don't want to do this anymore and went back to painting signs. Um, and uh, in 2005, uh, my brother was, had been living in San Francisco for about 15 years. And I had just gone through a divorce and he was like, Hey man, come down here and set up your studio. And you know, you can live in this little mother-in-law apartment for nothing. And so that's, that's what I did. And that's, that's the, the studio that I have now is I feel, I view it as a continuation of what my dad started, but that's when I formally started the studio I have now. And did like, so how did you pick up business for the sign painting stuff? And for like, you do hot rods and like really cool stuff on hot rods too. But, um, like what, how'd you go and pick up this business in a hand painting industry when somebody's telling you it's going all digital? Um, that was just stubbornness. And, um, I, I, I did an interview a couple of weeks back, um, with Voyage Dallas and I, I told them, you know, it, it was like this kind of maniacal commitment to like li- live on ramen noodles, but I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? <laughs> and it, it, and that's how it worked out for quite a few years. Um, and fortunately, when I made the, the move to San Francisco, San Francisco has, um, they, they have a long standing thing with trying to keep stuff like, you know, craftsmen and tradesmen working, you know. So I actually was able to pick up a lot of work there. Um, and that's really what kind of, you know, kicked everything into gear because um, there was enough of a market there to kind of like, 
build up a portfolio and you know a, a lot of the the photo photos that i had you know from working with my dad you know it was all outdated crap and you know and everything so it's allowed me to kind of build a fresh portfolio and really kind of uh get my work out there well how long were you in san francisco like how long did you keep your business out there uh i think that was a total of about five years um and then uh moved for a while down to Southern California and hated that. Um, but I did, I, I was able to do a lot of cool projects. I, um, worked with a lot of famous people and, you know, worked on their stuff. And that was really cool and, uh, really kind of pushed things forward and got me more notoriety. I got a lot of media coverage through that. And then, um, about 11, 12 years ago, uh, I, I was just like, okay, I, I really want to go back to Texas. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And, um, did a motorcycle ride out and, uh, stopped to see my little sister in Denton and really liked it there. And it just kind of evolved into now I'm in Denton. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in so. Denton, you're in Denton right now currently? No, no, no. That, uh, that was I guess I'm giving you a pretty long, convoluted oh, that's good. story. I, I love the long. The long stories are the best. Okay, so so at that point, um, everything everything really took off when I hit Denton, and uh, I built up a, a pretty big customer base in DFW, and then started picking up some really big, high-profile projects out of Houston and Austin, and um, decided um, I decided about two years ago that I wanted to like kind of shift gears and so you know I, I looked at that and decided okay I, I want to go to small town environment spent part of my childhood in small towns in Texas and was like I kind of want to go back to that vibe and um found Calvert which um like virtually nobody knows about Calvert but uh <laughs> you know it's this cool it, I always tell people it's like a um old west movie set you know everything on main street was built in the 1800s and you know it, it, it's just a really cool vibe and uh started looking at buildings because calvert is kind of central to it's a, it's about the same distance to houston austin and dafw for me by being in calvert and i have clients and all so i decided well okay that that looks like a good spot and then i found this building that we ended up buying that was built in 1869 that I just fell in love with and uh, built out our, our apartment in it. We built out workshop in the back. We got our studio in the front. We've got a uh, retail gift shop type area in the front. And, you know, I do some apparel for some companies and stuff. So we've been able to do that and, and just kind of, it, it, it might sound cheesy, but it was kind of like the, the ability to kind of like build a culture more than just a business, you know, because, we're definitely a part of the community here. It's very much a strong community spirit. And, um, you know, we've, we've got, you know, a bunch of people that'll drive through town and they'll do a U-turn because they see our old classic cars parked out front and they want to come in and see what we do and they'll buy a t-shirt. So yeah, it's just, just, uh, it was a big gear shift and and we're really, really happy we did it. I kind of did. I dig these things that like, there, it's obscure because I've driven through Calvert, I don't know how many, like hundreds of times. You know, I go to Fort Worth. Um, that's yeah. my path up there. I've seen okay. your building. Never stopped. The, the town looks cool, but it looks like, the, uh, I put it this way, it looks like there's a lot of life that was, like a lot of cool life was lived there at some point in time. Like, 
you, it used yeah, to be like I, a hip happening place. And that's a fair assessment. And, um, you know, when I bought this building, which was a little over a year ago now that I closed on this building, um, it's, it's, it's really strange how things like this kind of organically happen. Um, since, since we've bought the building, there's, there's an artist from New York who bought the building across the street and built out his studio apartment. There's a, another artist from Oregon who just opened up her gallery and uh, a friend of hers who's a restaurant owner from Oregon opened up a restaurant in the back that's killer. Um, it just like everything shifted and it was kind of this simultaneous thing that everybody was looking at the same place at the same time and, and decided to come here and do something. And so it, it's got really cool energy, you know, like uh, there's genuine uh, momentum, I guess. So it's like it's like a little place like Marfa for the artist type of thing where it, like you got a guy yeah. you said a guy from New York moved there. I, I mean, I would have never guessed it. If you drive through there, you would never guess. Yeah, and, it, and that just all organically happened within the last year, just like bam, bam, bam. And there's another uh, family, I believe they're from Houston. They bought this old historic hotel that's behind our building on, on the other side of the tracks, and they're totally renovating that and turning it into an Airbnb. I mean, just all this stuff is just popping all at the same time. And it's just a really cool, hip place. And, you know, like the, the other night we did a, a um, outdoor movie in the in this garden lot that we own next to the building and you know a bunch of people came and and brought folding chairs and drinks and just hung out we watched princess bride you know it's just just got a cool vibe here you know (laughs) yeah that's awesome man that's awesome now i mean is it a lot of local people that come by or is it people from out of town or or how does that work when you put something on like that movie that's that's probably mostly local you know we're gonna do we're gonna continue to do it and we also do a classic car cruise in every third saturday and that's drawn people from we've had people bring their cars from as far away as conroe um you know out by houston and um you know there's people that drive up from bryan college station and and then all these little towns around us there's tons of people with old cars and so that's been fun we've been doing that since april where you know people can get out and look at each other's cars and talk cars and do all that kind of stuff too the car people are so like it's so wild like cars and art and that that sort of thing it seems like people will drive crazy distances to go to shows and performances yeah. or whatever it is like i know car people just being around them that like they'll drive forever just to go to one car show and set up and look at each other's cars and talk about them like it's kind of a cool little community that they have kind of like the art thing that you're doing like you're in Calvert, but you're doing stuff all over the place. People will reach out really far to get something that, like, appeals to them art artistic wise. Yeah, no, that and that and that's that's definitely true with both both of those worlds. Is um, there's an enthusiasm there that will motivate somebody to go way out of their way to either interact with it or 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 be able to you know get it for their business or or your whatever. And that's. Um, you know, I, I think that's definitely something that uh, the big game changer, obviously, was the Internet, because we could not be doing what we're doing today uh, 20 years ago. Like, you know, we would just be so isolated and so unknown and, and everything. But because we've built up a reputation and a clientele, you know, nationally, um, it really didn't matter where we were located. You know, we could continue to do business the same. And then it's like, well 
at that at that point you're really looking at you know lifestyle instead of just you know uh do we want to be in the metroplex you know paying a premium for you know our studio and our home and this and this and this or do we want to just like go to something different and do something that um gives gives you gives you genuine freedom really you know well it's to, and that's that's like that's really you're using the internet it's crazy because you're taking an old school craft and art and you're using the internet to your benefit and like your lifestyle is better you're doing exactly what you want to do every you don't have to go live in southern california now to do your work that and be unhappy right. where you live you can live in small town texas and do your work anywhere you want yeah so i mean that's a really odd juxtaposition is you're taking all of this old handcrafted traditional you know work and merging it with technology and you know i mean i'm not i'm not shy about it. i mean we utilize technology in every way that we can just for the purpose of being able to continue to do the traditional craftsmanship now i just popped in my head like how long did it take you like how long were you painting signs and living that ramen noodle stuff like you know that where you're doing a sign here or there or i mean were you making it like how long did it take you to where you really started to go man i think that this is this is coming together it, it, it was the first couple of years, um, for sure. And it was, um, I mean, at the very beginning, um, you know, I, I was in San Francisco and my only vehicle was this Kawasaki motorcycle I bought for 400 bucks. And I would strap my kit on the back because it had a little, you know, um, luggage deal. And, you know, I was driving around town, uh, you know, doing jobs like that and just, basically trying to reinvest every penny I could make, you know, okay, I'm going to get more brushes. I'm going to build my kit up. I'm going to get, you know, more cans of paint. I'm going to get, you know, a better projector. I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. And then after about two years, um, and was, and had built up enough relationships with business and stuff where people were starting to refer me, then it kind of kicked in where it was like, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm actually, I've got, the, the business is healthy and I've got a little bit of money left over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Did you do a lot? You know, oh, sorry. Go it ahead. Just kept building, you know, and just kept building. I mean, to this day, I mean, and you know, that was 2005, and to this day, I mean, there's still uh, that habit still there that I'm always looking at, like, how do I reinvest in the business to keep it healthy, as opposed to what can I pull out of it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you obviously love what you do. I mean, nobody would go into the sign painting thing when. Because I imagine that's a little bit of a devastating blow, like to somebody who loves something and you're running your dad's shop and you, you know, obviously trying to do it there, not maybe not knowing how to do a business or it's just not the right thing. And you go up there and the guy's like, no, that's old news, man. We're all technology. And then you still keep going with the hand painting stuff in San Francisco, right? You move there, you're doing it for a couple years and it's obviously not the easiest thing to do. It's obviously something that you're just like, passionate about doing yeah for sure and and fortunately um i'm trying to think of what year it was um i guess that was maybe 2010 i got a call from a buddy of mine in san francisco and I, i at this point i was in southern california and he said hey i just got this phone call from these film people and they, they're doing a documentary on sign painting. 
and I told them they really need to come talk to you. Would you be interested in talking to them? And I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that sounds kind of okay. And, you know, I'm so glad that I did because I, I ended up getting a call from them the next week and, and they said, okay, we, we've run into multiple people who've told us we need to come talk to you and we'd like to come out and film. And so I said, yeah, come on down. And so um, that ended up turning into being a really big thing um, for the trade as well as kind of culturally within the design community because um, the film ended up debuting. It's called Sign Painters. And they, they ended up debuting it at the Smithsonian Institute. And there was a book form that was released as well that New York Times named one of the best table coffee table books of that year and got tons of coverage on NPR and all this other stuff, which ended up kind of just like opening up a ton of different opportunities for those of us that ended up getting put in the film. And it, it really was a game changer because there were ad agencies, there were um, design firms, you know, all over the country that all of a sudden it was on their radar. And so they were calling, you know, sign painters and asking them and that, that ended up leading to long-term relationships. Like I, I've done a lot of work with Starbucks. I did a lot of work with the gap, you know, a lot of, a lot of that stuff came from that era. Wow. What did you, so what, what does somebody like Starbucks and the gap have you like hire you to come do? Uh, the first thing the gap did, um, they have a flagship store in LA, um, that, uh, they, they were doing some really like cutting edge. I mean, it's not stuff like you see in gap in the mall, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they had, they had me come in. I was painting stuff all over the walls. Um, and, uh, they really were happy with that. So they did this national ad campaign where they had me paint, uh, several of these old school taco trucks and they got these celebrity chefs to, to make tacos and they sent these trucks out all over the country and you'd like go order tacos and on your receipt if it had a certain code you want a pair of jeans it was kind of this weird thing but it was really uh, you know popular and it was a national ad campaign and um you know and that led to more and more stuff so that's that's why that's really cool like they they see the the documentary or your work like in that book and they they just like hey we want that guy yeah, and that, you know, that that's what led to, I ended up doing an album cover for the band The Toadies, and, you know, it was the same thing. One of them had gotten the book or saw the movie, um, that, that, that one was the movie, and they were just sitting around like, you know, we should get that one of those guys to, like, do the album cover, and then they saw that I was in DFW and their, you know, Fort Worth bass band, and um, and then uh, I ended up starting a podcast called Coffee with a Sign Painter that I had for a while, and that ended up, because of the film and the podcast, I ended up getting invited out to uh, Limerick, Ireland to do this project with the band The Cranberries and to screen the movie and did a Q&A out there and all, all sorts of, you know, neat stuff that you're like... Just wow! Just because I was stubborn enough to do this thing that like nobody else wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. That so you got yet they you got to fly out to Ireland for work and hang out with the cranberries. I mean, everybody. There was a period of time that they're really you'd be hard pressed to find somebody more popular, a band more popular than the cranberries. Yeah, they. they, they uh, I think it was the decade of the '90s. They were the top selling band or something like that. I mean, like. You know, that's, and it, 
stuff like that just kind of just developed and came along and I got to go do it. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so I've had a lot of really great experiences. And uh, last year I got invited um, to go out to Nepal and do this project with some uh, photojournalists that, you know, ended up riding motorcycles through the Himalayas and, you know, just some cool stuff's happened, you know? Really awesome stuff. Like, and that's your yeah. job. Yeah, that's my job. So I can't <laughs> complain. Pretty, but pretty amazing. I think it just kind of, spe- and what I've noticed a trend in talking to people and, you know, and what they do and find little things like this, like you wouldn't think if somebody, if you said, I'm a sign painter to the average person just walking around like, okay, like what, what you paint little signs, you know what I mean? Like they wouldn't yeah. put two and two together that that could take you to meet somebody like the cranberries or to travel a world and, and ride motorcycles through the Himalayas. You know what I mean? That's not what they wouldn't put that connection together. But I notice when people do what they love to do and they stick with it, no matter what these things eventually start to just happen. It's like, it's like you draw them in as long as you just stay strong with your beliefs and you're doing it for the right reason. Those things just kind of get sucked into your path. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think that it's, um, you know, and it's not, it's not exclusive to any one pursuit or whatever, but it, it is, it's almost like the universe, you know, rewards you for <laughs> stubbornly holding your ground and saying, no, this is what I was kind of meant to do. And I don't really want to budge. And, you know, it's so you, you starve on ramen noodles for a while, but you know, then all, all this other stuff starts happening and continues to happen. And you're just like, well, Oh wow! Look at that. I, I had no idea, but pretty great. Was there ever a moment in the middle of all that that where you were just like, where things would dangle in front of you when it's like tough, and it's tough making money? Where you're like, maybe I should just go do that and make some money, and then I'll do this on the side. The temptation was there, especially since um, two of my brothers ended up going into computer programming and making it till to this day still a hell of a lot more money than I make (laughs) so it's like you know yeah the temptation was like well you know and the pressure was there you know why don't you just you know I can get you hooked up with this company and you can learn to do this and you'll make a lot more money and but it's like you know I don't want to do that (laughs) you know (laughs) and when when I talk to other sign painters about this and everybody agrees like there's this this kind of zen moment when you're when you're sitting there and you're painting and you know that you you kind of get this this kind of flow where the, the the brush flips a certain way and you get these strokes that are they're almost like these it's almost like you could put music to it you know and you, you just get this brush movement that is, it's addictive, you know, and, and it's, it's so zen and it's so relaxing and it's so, you, you just feel like this is what you're meant to do. And you can, you know, somebody could give you like 20 bucks to work all day doing that and you'd be like, eh, I'll make it work, you know. <laughs> um, and fortunately, because I was, you know, all these other things, most of them out of my control kind of built up this reputation, you know, that also coincided with being able to, you know, have a a healthy business and pay myself a healthy salary where I wasn't starving, you know? Um, So it's kind of of turned into the best of both worlds where you have, you know, a solid income and you're doing something you absolutely 
love doing. Yeah, but you, at the same you, time, you'd probably do it for 20 bucks a day. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you can't let the customer know that. You know? <laughs> yeah, you gotta, gotta get, you can't show your hand right there, <laughs> your vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you do have to make, you do eventually have, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. You do have to make a living, you know, doing whatever it is that you want to do. There, there's no doubt about it. Otherwise, you can't support it. So people should pay. One of the crazy, one of the funny things I noticed too about some of these things is like when you put things up, and you say, pay whatever you think it's worth. When people usually do that, you'll find you'll get more money from the majority of people yeah. because they'll be like, oh, I really like what they did. There's a lot of worth in that. And, you know, they'll give that extra money to somebody who's putting yeah, that in. And I, I think the factor to consider, too, is that um, sign painting with the film and the book and all of that and, and all of the weird kind of cultural stuff that grew out of it. Um, one of the things that grew out of that um, was a lot of us were included in multiple gallery exhibitions. And so there was this weird crossover where all of a sudden a sign painter was considered as an artist throughout history. It's always been at the very best, you're a commercial artist, you know, and there's always been a stigma with that. But on the flip side of that is, um, for those of us that have been doing it long enough and have matured enough to like understand our place in the world, it's like, uh, yeah, you can go buy some plastic sign with vinyl stuck on it and it might kind of do the job to communicate what you're selling to your customer. Or you can hire a commercial artist who has spent decades, you know, really understanding color theory and layout and all of these things that will actually draw people into your store or your restaurant and increase the amount of revenue you're, you know? And so I think what ended up happening is because of, you know, the film and, and just more notoriety through things like Pinterest where people are like, Oh wow. I didn't know that I could get someone to gold leaf my window. I didn't even know that existed really, <laughs> you know? And so they're seeing all this stuff, but what ended up happening, I think is enough business owners went ahead and invested early on in this, you know, new thing, which is this ancient thing. Um, and was, were able to communicate to other business owners that, Hey, I went ahead and spent the money and had this sign painter do this. And like my sales are up, you know? Yeah. And, and I was, so, I was actually going to ask you about that, that thing right there, because when I was and that's another thing, when I watched that little video on your website, I looked at the sign, I was like, you know what? I'm always drawn in by the the old soda shop, shop sign or like the the tattoo, um, you know, the tattoo art that you had on the glass there. Um, I'm always, I'm more drawn to those places. Like if you see an old soda shop sign with that gold leafing behind there and it's real clean and it's slick and it looks like it did maybe when it was in the 50s or the, you know, whatever, you're going to like for some reason it draws you into that establishment. Well, of course it does. And I, I think, you know, a big part of that is by nature, human beings, we're, we're nostalgic beings. I think it's this, you know, we all have this idealistic view, whether it's realistic or distorted or not, that's a whole separate argument, but we all look back on periods you know, either in our own childhood or even previous 
to our childhood and we look back on that with a fondness it's just the nature of who we are as a species i think and and i think that's one of the reasons all that kind of like old advertising um and old storefronts i mean that really kind of tugs at your heartstrings you know and yeah, if you see some like old soda shop type deal that some family put, you know, kind of restored it and they can still go in and get a, you know, ice cream or, a, you know, a float or whatever, like people love those places. And it's, 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 I think it taps into something kind of archetype inside us about, you know, where we came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's nostalgia, there's nostalgia attached to it. Yeah, and same thing with old cars, you know. I, I've always loved old cars because, you know, that's kind of what I grew up around and everything. But, I mean, I see the reaction. You know, we've got an old 55 Metropolitan and a 1950 Studebaker, you know, parked out front. And, you know, people driving through town, they'll do a U-turn. And it happened this morning. Guys driving through town, does a U-turn, comes inside, spends like 35, 40 minutes talking, showing me pictures of his car and all this other stuff. And it's just... I don't know. There's just something as humans, we're just connected to the past. Yeah. But then you like, you're bonding, you're bonding over this car and this stranger that didn't even like, he didn't know you. He didn't know your shop was there. He just sees your car and he turns around and he's like, Hey, I'm going in instantly. He's like, I'm connected with this human being. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, it, it sounds corny, but it's like, you know, I, I feel like I made a friend, you know? And he's like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, he, he, he's from Wisconsin, but he stays for the winter in Bryan. And he's like, I'm going to come back up here. I want to talk to you again. And I want to come to your car cruising. I wanted to do this, you know, and he was just like totally jazzed that he stopped, you know, and I was excited. I was like, Hey, I met this guy and he's a nice guy. You know, it's cool. Yeah, it is. It is wild. It is a wild thing. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not a gearhead by any means. I've fantasized about it. Like it would be like a romantic idea to rebuild a vehicle my lot in life right now, that's not the top priority in the list. You know, that's sure, not where sure. my time goes. But I mean, I love old trucks. I love old Jeeps. Like the Bron- the first generation Bronco, those type of things are the things that I like. I'm drawn to those. When I see one, it catches my eye and I go, it's a beautiful piece of art. It's not even a machine. It's like a piece of art. And I just, I'm drawn to that thing. So um, I guess you're right. I guess like romantic, like that romantic idea of the past and how like how classic it looks and clean and maybe maybe it's you know how happy our grandparents were as kids you know we there's there might be a little bit of it that we've got so much technology and moving so fast that that slowdown of appreciating something that's just like a a nice piece of art is is beautiful to us yeah no i think that's a really valid point is you know as especially on steroids as we've seen this year, like our, our world is so rapidly changing and chaotic and unpredictable and nuts that I think that that pull of the past is even stronger because you're like, you know, maybe, and maybe like you said, like you think maybe of your grandparents, there's stability that you attach, you know, with figures like grandparents where you're like, Oh, well, you know, that was a, a calmer time, a more stable time. And in their life, they might have been dealing with, you know, their own perception of chaos or whatever. But I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think we've, we're in new territory now. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's no, uh, I don't think there's any comparable time, at least that's been documented 
of what we have right now. And a lot of it is the technology. You know, social media has exaggerated all of these concerns and problems to a scale that has never existed. So, so yeah, the past, I'll, I'll, I'll embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm totally fine riding around in my little old car and, you know, having our little hangouts and people coming by like that's, uh, it's a pretty good quality of life in my opinion, compared to, uh, you know, some of my friends that are packed into big cities and, you know, they're dealing with, you know, people smashing stuff outside the door and, you know, literally that's, you know, I've got friends in the heart of the city and they're, you know, when things are going crazy, there's people riding outside. It's like, no, thanks. I, I, I'm happy with my small town life. Yeah, no. And very, I'm sure very appreciative. Somebody asked me that, uh, one of my, my friends from Australia asked me that the other day, like how we were doing. Cause he just gets to see, you know, what they, they're watching the United States like it's a like it's the craziest reality TV show they've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And sure. you know he's asking me how we're doing. I'm like, Texas is a pretty low drama state, and you know you live in the smaller towns there. It's especially it's like, I mean, it's really you're kind of in a bubble away from all of that mess, and very thankful yeah. at the same time. But what's so super, what's so cool about what you do in your sign painting, and that look, and the thing that draws you into that building is that you're able to capture all that nostalgia like from the old car to like those feelings that you have by painting something by hand and I'm sure that feels like that has an extra special feeling to it when you're when you're in it cuz it's a very tedious crazy tedious operation just watching you paint one letter is like you've got to be uber focused on that one letter and then when you're done you're creating the same feeling as that guy who turned around and saw your classic car yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, one man's tedious is another man's, you know, heaven, I, I guess, because, you know, it's like it's like I was saying, there's this thing that kicks in where you're just you are in the zone and it's just kind of this blissful feeling where, you know, yeah, you're concentrating, but there's something subconscious that kicks in and that's where, you know, these strokes start feeling like music to you. You know, you're just like, and it, they're, it, they're so rewarding. I mean, we look at letters all day long, you know, whether it's through advertising, through the internet, you know, and everybody knows, you know, what a, a Helvetica letter should look like or a Times Roman letter should look like now because of computers, right? But, you know, when, when you're able to, kind of ad lib and create letter forms that are, you know, uniquely your own, um, or resurrect old stuff. You know, um, we've got these, you know, old books and stuff like cigar labels, things like that, that just have these beautiful letter forms. And, and there's, you know, other sign painters that over the years have actually turned those into type styles that you can, you know, use and those kind of things, you know, that's just, that's just playing, you know? It's not work. And what, what, what could be better than making a living playing? Like, that's that's awesome. That's what we all dream to do. Like, that's what everybody, yeah. I think, I think everybody dreams to do that. I mean, I certainly do. I I dream to, like, do this for a living. You Like, I, I dream to, like, man, if I could do a podcast for a living, this would be fantastic, you know? But if I yeah, don't, yeah. if I don't ever make a dime off of what I'm doing... I still love this thing that I'm doing. Like it, it's a, it's so much of a passion. I make it a priority and I lock it in. But like when you're, when you're saying you get to do that 
and you make the living doing it. That's the sweet spot. Like I think that's what everybody everybody searches for. And it's not lost on me either. You know, I mean, I've been doing this over thirty years now. You know, going back to when I started with my dad, and um, I it's not lost on me. It's not like there's a day that goes by that I'm just kind of like taking it for granted, and it's just oh another day of grind. You know, I I'm aware daily like wow, I really get to do something that I really love doing and, and I, I get to pay the bills with it. And that's like, that's a huge gift that very rare, very rare that people have that, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't even necessarily know why it worked out that way for me. I'm just very grateful that it did. Well, for sure. It's the, it, it's your, it's gotta be the hard work and the determination to like, you know, do this thing that nobody really thinks about can make you money. So like, I mean, it doesn't just, I don't, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you make your own luck. Like good things will happen. Like I said earlier, it, it comes to you if you put in all the work, like you've got to put the work in. There is no, nobody just goes and falls into it. Like I didn't, I couldn't paint a letter, but I'm sure if I spent as much time as you do painting letters that I'd eventually be able to paint a letter. Yeah, no. And, and that's uh that's no joke like the the amount of you you have to be a bit obsessive compulsive to do something like this because of the amount of hours for decades that you you have to devote to even just thinking about it let alone executing and building muscle memory you're yeah having to like you're just obsessed with it um and that's a that's a huge factor uh and i i think too um you have to you have to have something in you that drives you in, in any business any business owner there's got to be that something that when you get up in the morning and you have your coffee you're like I'm going in again you know and every entrepreneur I've ever talked to it doesn't matter if you own a restaurant or you are you know a car mechanic or sign painter it's there's this drive thing mechanism that's functioning in you that doesn't seem to function in everybody. That's like, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to do this again. Even if it's banging my head against the wall today, I'm doing it again. And I don't know what that is, (laughs) but not everybody has it, you know? No, maybe it's, maybe it's a mental illness. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it it is the universal thing, I think. Yeah, it, I mean, it very well, like some people may call it a mental illness. You know, if you think about things like that, I mean, like the hours that you put in, if you break it down, like what you get paid per hour, you're like, man, people make some. Like you said, I can make more money doing computer programming. You know, why am I but, putting myself through the stress real, of this? It always comes back to the same thing as how you define wealth, and that's the thing that I think our whole culture has gotten really off track on and that, you know, and there's people that'll get back on track with it, but how do you define wealth? I mean, is it the money in your bank account? Is it, um, the peace of mind? Is it the time that you spend with your family and friends, um, that whatever you're doing for work allows for that? Like, how do you measure wealth? And, you know, for me, uh, when I kind of explored that whole concept, um, years ago, it was like, you know, I, I want, I want freedom and I want to do something I enjoy and I want to definitely be able to support myself working creatively. 
And in that sense, I feel like I'm the richest guy in the world, even though like my bank account pales in comparison to plenty of people. But like I'm, I'm rich, you know, I've got, you know, the ability to do the things that I really love and uh, and I have freedom. You know, if, if, I, if I wanted to, you know, take tomorrow and just shut the shop down and drive my old car around, I could do that. You know what I'm saying? You know, and having worked for a period uh, in the nine to five deal, working in these sign shops, you know, that really was a um, eye opener to me because I had spent so many years working with my dad. My dad was a business owner that, you know, it was a common thing for him to say, okay, we're not opening up tomorrow. We're just going to go to Corpus and sit at the beach. And we would do that, you know, when I was growing up and it was, it was amazing to me, you know, but then when I started working in the nine to five deal, I was like, you can't do stuff like that. You lose your job, you know, <laughs> and it never occurred to me because I grew up with the, with the freedom the other way. So yeah, that's important. That's a, that's, I think that you are correct. I think people do misplace that a lot. I think they misplace the dollar sign for happiness. And it's weird because people say it all the time and people will regurgitate it, but yet the habit doesn't change. Like they offer them those dollar right. signs and they go, you know, or, or yeah. I have to have, I have to make this much money before I have a kid or I have to make this much money in order to survive. I need this house and I need this car or I, you know, if I just and get that. all of a sudden you're 80 years old. Yeah. You know you know, you just keep pushing that, that finish line down the road and all of a sudden you're 80 years old. So it's like life is now. You might not have tomorrow. Life is today, you know? It's such a scary thought when you say it out loud. It's scary, you know, thinking that you could work this whole time and then look back and go, man, I missed out on a lot of things that I wanted to do. If I had just taken that chance, what if I had just tried doing this thing as a job? Like, what if I had just gone and done it? You know, I, I had this discussion with a friend of mine. That is the gift of 2020, if you look at it that way. How many people were just working, you know, in, a, in some direction and pushing that goal line down the road, and then 2020 came along and wiped it out, and they're going to start over? I mean, it's a gift if you look at it in that way that, you know, those things that you may be putting off, those goals that you may be delaying, um, something like 2020 can come along and derail everything. So, you know, when you have those opportunities or, or when you have that energy even, or the physical health or the, you know, the financial health or whatever to do anything, uh, you got to do it because you don't know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow might be a 2021 might be crazier than 2020. Let's hope (laughs) not, but we don't know. We don't know. This is madness that, that we're dealing with right now. It is so true because, I mean, if you think back to January, just January, it's not even a year from now. Think of, it feels like several years have been crammed into one of just all the madness so and, and uncertainty and the things that you have no control over worry you the most. You have no control yeah. over all these things like you, the information that's pumped your way, the decisions that are being made about the country. You don't have any control over it actually. Like the person you elected and that the country elected and your local government and those people, they have the ability to make these decisions and they're out of your hands and nobody gets to vote on them. And it's just a wild, it's a wild thing. And so everybody's nervous 
and they're confused and what information do we believe and all like all that stuff is going on so before that we were just like punching the clock every day mm-hmm. that was it we're punching but, the clock and, and now it's but, now it's like turning it's on its head and making you think differently right and and it's stressful but it's also a gift because we're not just on the treadmill you know we've had to address the reality is we've never been able to control anything these larger figures that we vote into office have always chosen our path <clears throat> that's always been that way but we never really focused on it because things seem to be going semi-smoothly so it's unpleasant what we're all seeing right now but it's also i think waking a lot of, a lot of people up and saying okay wait a minute like what is life all about what are the priorities how how do i really want to live where do i want to live you know, I mean, the, the migration going on in this country right now, the physical migration of people leaving states like California, New York, and coming to places like, I mean, the cultural impact of that alone is going to be really interesting to see. <clears throat> and I know there's an immediate argument of, well, don't bring their politics here and all that. But just even culturally, though, yep. you know, just food changes and, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I don't I don't think it's all negative. I think that there is a danger of um you know some of the some of the problems that occur in other places you know influences being brought in and i know there's a there's an argument for that but i also think that some of that uh change and some of that um merging of culture could have a a positive outcome as well hopefully does that sort of does does all that stuff where people are moving their businesses here because there's more freedom than you know, people are locking them up and not letting them make money over there, and it's just a wild madhouse. And what you see on, what you see at least, you know, from the outside, um, is it helping your sign painting business because more people are bringing their things over here and starting new? Um, it it was um, definitely over the last five years because you know that that migration. Uh, you know, out of places like California and New York have been uh, going on for probably five, six years. And I, I, I can't count how many people called me and said, Hey, we're opening up whatever. And, you know, they've got uh, California area code, you know, um, <laughs> or they've got a New York area code. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a definite thing. Um, I, I, I think that there's, I think there, there, uh, there's a lot of things on pause right now. I think a lot of development on pause, especially in a place like Texas, where I think, you know, people are waiting to see what this election thing's going to do. Obviously, the whole whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> let's just say health concern um, of, of this year, you know, that's, that's creating a lot of, like, interruption you know, and so what my hope is, and having been in business, serving other businesses for so long, um, is I, I think what we might run into is when things start to resume, it's just a huge backlog. You know, we've been very fortunate. We've stayed busy all year. You know, what what I do is very niche, and I've got a long established customer base and we've we've stayed busy and and we're small you know we're just it's just my wife and i with the studio and um you know it doesn't take a ton of work to keep us busy um but i think going into next year once 
there's some leveling out, hopefully, that we see in the insanity, then I, I think there's going to probably be a backlog of of a lot of customers that I've worked with in the past are probably going to be moving forward. I think, I well, I mean, I fully believe that, and it's just evidence in human nature, especially here in America, is that we're very driven, innovative, and creative when it comes to business and and all these things like your sign painting business but like i'm seeing people putting in air systems so that like cleaner air so that they can get people to come in like i'm seeing people ship they they don't let entrepreneurs like you said that thing that mental illness that they have it it makes them look at a problem to say how can i create something first for my business to bring more people into my place and i think eventually it's going to evolve where they just figure out all of the systems to get around what's going on and then you're going to be backlogged as well anyway no matter what's still around because they've they're going to figure it out yeah yeah no and that, that's the exciting thing um to me is you can't keep the human spirit down and so whatever's happening you know whatever's happening around us this year and there's a hundred different theories on what's really happening. I've got my own dozen. Um, <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? It's so fun yeah. to like follow all the conspiracy theories and everything. It's a blast for me. <laughs> but but whatever that is, whatever it, it pans out to be, or maybe we never know. Like you know, I I, 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 I'm, I a big thing I repeat this year is we still don't officially know who killed JFK. I don't think we're going to figure out what happened in 2020. So, <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. You know, I, but I, I, the human spirit, you know, it, it's like the light always conquers the dark. I know it's very Star Wars, but I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's true. It's like the, the, there may be efforts to, uh, to take away freedom and to impose things on people. And, you know, this has been, this struggle has been going on throughout human history. You know, there's there's always oppressive forces, and then the human spirit pushes back, and that's that's the light, in my opinion. And you know, I, the light always wins; it just does. So, all of the things that are stressing us all out this year and are making things uncertain and making things, you know, pull our hair out and everything else, you know, that's what I always that's what I always come back to. So the light always wins, and uh, the human spirit will prevail. And, you know, there, there is something larger out there, you know, than, than just us. And you have to have a little bit of uh, hope in that, you know, oh. however you define that. You can call that the universe, you can call it God, you can call it whatever. But there's something out there that uh, has set things into orderly motion. And, and I'm, I'm very uh, comfortable that whatever that is, is, uh, you know. Even even if we were to head into really dark times, the light still prevail. Yes, I mean I fully believe that too. And I know for some reason it gives you confidence whenever you've lived a little life and you've gone through a little bit of struggle, no matter what it is. Like if you've struggled a little bit, you've hit something like a speed bump and and you stayed the course and you succeed or you get you realize you can get through things. I guess it teaches right. you in the middle it sucks. Like it really is like sure. man, this is terrible. But then once you finish you're like the next thing that happens, oh, it's not that bad. And I, I think a, there's a lot of I guess it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that I've gone through some struggles before and 
I know how I'm going to react to it. And that's what I, that's what me and my wife were talking about it when this whole thing happened, whatever the health crisis, as you called it, happened. <laughs> um, we were like, this is a real good example that you can set for your kids of how to react when times get a little tough. Like when things get a little bumpy, how do you react and how, how do you yeah. handle that situation? And that is the example you're setting for them so that when they grow up, they handle things the same way. Right, right. No, and that's that's a huge thing, you know, because whatever they're observing with you is going to be the management tools that they use as the, as their adults. And if you give them crappy tools, <laughs> it's not going to be good for them. <laughs> well, that's what... You know, I, I think the thing that I, I, I've learned over the ups and downs, too, is the anticipation. The, the anticipated outcome is always... 10 times worse than the reality, you know, and we, we're our own worst enemy. We, we, you know, when I was younger, I used to stress so bad about, you know, I'd have money in my bank account to pay all my monthly bills, but I would be stressed about paying my bills because once I paid that money, then I don't have money for the following month, you know, or whatever. And it's like, you, you build up this, this fiction in your head about like, all these disastrous situations. And I had a problem with this when I was younger. And then as you get older, you realize like you, you, you can create all of this stuff and none of it happens anyway. So like at some point you just gotta, you know, let go. And those are all cliches. We, we, we all have heard this stuff growing up and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. My deal's different, you know, <laughs> but it's all true. So it's like, just let it go, man. Just, It'll, it'll work out. It is true. It's just like you said, like, you know, implementing or it sounds so easy. Like what you just said sounds so easy and everybody's heard it before. I mean, you can, especially now with the internet with all the memes and the, I mean, not the memes, the little quotes that people place on everything and they post them yeah, all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's, we've heard all the quotes, right? We've heard all the sayings with all the podcasts and you listen to Gary V and he'll tell you all the things all the time just like that or whoever, yeah. Tony Robbins, whoever you want to listen to, they're going to tell you all these inspirational things, but the action of taking the step to be a sign painter and own your own business, to open a restaurant, to follow your dreams, no matter like to give it time and to do something that you love to do. Like to actually take that step is one scary. And that's why very few people do it. That's why the reward's so great. And two, it's hard. It takes a lot of hard work and there's, there's effort that people don't want to necessarily put into that. And go through that. And once you commit the, to those two things, then you've been through your own set of struggles where you're like, I don't care what health crisis is coming up. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Like, you, you, I think it's a, it's, a, it, it's a unique challenge that a lot of, you know, people who are younger who are coming up are facing because they had like helicopter parents and all this stuff is they weren't allowed to risk enough to get the reward to see that the risk is worth the reward. And that's something you have to prove to yourself is that, okay, this is scary. This is stressful. This might not work. I might flop. I might feel like a loser. You know, all this junk that we all carry in our heads when we're taking risk. But then when you, when it works, and sometimes it, whatever you're trying isn't the thing that works the first time. Maybe you got to do it a hundred times before it works. But when it works, it's like, well, that was worth all of that. Dude. But you, you're the only person who can prove that to you. Like no one can tell you that. No Tony Robbins can, you know, 
get in your head and tell you like, hey, the the, the, the risk is worth it. The reward is, is going to pay it off. You know, like you can hear that a hundred times. It means nothing until you experience it for yourself. I love the way you put that. I really do. Like the way you put that is absolutely perfect that no one can prove that to you but yourself. Like no one can give it to you. No one can tell you about it. It is you. You know, like doing the action sports stuff that I do, I relate to that in when you're trying a new trick or you're doing something and you slam over and over again and it hurts. Like you're falling, it hurts, it hurts and you're determined you get up. That one time you land it and it's like not even a second long a lot of times, you know? It's fast. When you land that, all that pain just went away. Like it went yeah, away. Because you're the dude. And, and now you're the dude. And you, <laughs> you feel so happy that reward of just landing that was worth every single like you can slam twenty times, you land it once, it erased those twenty slams and put you in the positive by twenty. Yeah, yeah. And and that is the I think unfortunate byproduct of, you know, the kids coming behind us that uh, were overprotected. And it you know it would parents had the best of intentions i'm sure but it's like the you, as a kid you have to go out and skin your knee and wreck your bike and do all this stuff like you have to it's part of like how you grow and the same is with, with business i mean you know uh you you have to run into those challenges and i i've, I've been a business owner for many years now and i'm still running into stuff where i'm like i have no clue how to deal with this i have no clue how to you know, approach this or how to grow this or how to change this. I don't know. And so, you know, hopefully you've, you've developed some relationships. I was on a Zoom meeting this morning with a guy that's been a, a customer for many years that turned into a good friend. And now he's kind of a mentor. And I was able to run something by him. We discussed it. And, it, you know, you, you figure it out. And it, it's still, you know, if I end up proceeding with what we had discussed this morning, I'm, I'm still pretty intimidated and scared by it because I've never done what we discussed. But I'm like, it'll, it'll work. I mean, you know, it, it's still going to probably have days where I'm like, what in the world am I doing? But it, it'll work over time and just put in the work and, you know, follow the plan. It'll work out. I love it, man. This has been an absolute blast, Sean. Uh, oh, cool. I, I appreciate you asking me to do it. It's, it's nice to do. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed talking to you. I'm for sure going to stop in your shop there in Calvert. Like, 100%. Yeah, you got no excuse. If you pass through Calvert that many times, you got no excuse now. You got to stop in. I know. I know for sure. Uh, me and my wife will stop by and check out the shop and say hi if you're there and all that good stuff, man. Well, okay, I got, I, got a, I got a t-shirt with your name on it. You pick one out. You you come get it. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to do that. I'll support the local business too. But um, <laughs> to let everybody know where they can find your shop, like where it is and where they can find all of your stuff and your artwork and everything else. Uh, yeah, pretty much the portal for everything online is our website, which is starstudios.com. It's star with two R's because that's my last name. Um, and then uh, we're on Main Street in Calvert, Texas, which is on Highway 6 between uh, Waco and Bryan College Station. And we've got our uh, working studio here as well as we've got our, our little store up front. And we've got some apparel that I design. We've got, uh, we've got some old vintage cool stuff, some new old stock stuff that we put out there. Got a big collection of old Hot Rod magazines and stuff that... 
to go back to the 50s and just just nerdy car lover stuff mixed in with sign painter stuff we got copies of the sign painter book all that kind of stuff too right on man right on well sean thanks again man this is a blast okay thank you Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Sean for being our. Everybody go by and check out Star Studios on the internet and also head by his office or his shop in Calvert and check it out. Don't forget to like, rate, and review on iTunes. It really does help us out. And share, share, share on social media. Until the next episode, see ya.